Hey friends, it's season five of the official Do Good Better podcast, and every Thursday we'll be releasing a pair of interviews with some amazing nonprofits talking about their awesome impact in the communities they are in. We'll talk about some challenges they've faced and chat about their best tips and tricks that might just help your organization do good better. Hey, enjoy these mini episodes of inspiration that make a major difference in the lives of those served by these incredible nonprofits. Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or, a, I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word do good better at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Choosing a partner to help you achieve success in your business or personal finances is a big decision. You need a devoted advisor who's experienced and attentive and invested in helping you accomplish your goals. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Brady Martz. Brady Martz knows that you've got a lot of options to choose from, but we're confident that Brady Martz is the right accounting firm for you. they got more than a half a century of experience making everyday count through tax, accounting, audit, and business advisory services. So... Contact Brady Marts to learn more about their unique solutions that they can provide you and your nonprofit. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. And sometimes those uh, people who can help us do good better are actually leaders of small and medium-sized nonprofits. Like our guest today, it's Mary Epps. She's the co-founder of Families Working Together. Mary, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you. It's a joy and a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to chat with you today, but if somebody is scrolling through Spotify or iTunes or YouTube and they're looking for, I, they like this idea of families working together, I want to know more, but maybe they don't know more. So could you provide a 5,000 foot view of who you are, what you do, and why we're talking today? Okay. Well, we are a small grassroots nonprofit that works in on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And uh, we are actually headquartered in Wombly, South Dakota, which is a small village of about 700 residents. Um, what do we do? What don't we do is kind of what I ask. I, I always ask simply because we're a need-based nonprofit. We didn't bring our, our total ideas out here. We based it on the needs. We were here coming and going for three, four years before we ever decided if you want to see change, you better be, you better create that change. So I am by profession um, a nurse, a naturopathic doctor, massage therapist, teacher. So I brought those skill base along with my husband, who is who was a contractor, and we came out here, built a building. Non, uh, it's families working together building, and it's a community center. It's and it truly is a community center. We have dorms for people that want to volunteer and come out. We also have drop in for people that really really need a place to stay. Not on a continual basis, but you know, the needs are great. And we provide food packs for children at Crazy Horse School to the tune of about 250 to 300 a week. 
I have a small library. I'm a big believer in I need everybody planting food, eating good food. And if you can learn to read, I'll be really a happy camper. So, uh, yeah, food is a big issue because it's a nutritionally scarce, deficient. I say it's not food scarce, it's nutritionally insufficient desert. So we do belong to the local food sovereignty group. Uh, we're a pretty major player in that group. Uh, we have two big gardens. Um, we're about to set up a, um, a food co-op along with along with a farmer's market. And we say, hey, if you work in the garden, you eat free. If you don't, you have to pay. That's how it is. And every month we do, since, since the pandemic actually, we have collaborated with a couple of other organizations and we do uh, food packs for elders. And that includes essentials, you know, I eat toilet paper, bleach, food, you know, just a ton of food, potatoes, carrot, whatever, whatever people need. Uh, we do about 400 of those every three weeks. And those are made up here and then delivered um, out to the elders because many of the elders during the pandemic never left their residence at all. And I don't know if you've ever been to South Dakota, but uh, our nearest our nearest store, real store is probably 50 miles away. And if I wanna go to a supermarket, I have to go, um, I don't know, almost two hours away. So um, I maintain we need to be out here eating it, growing it, finding it, you know, I'm a forager. So, um, and natives were originally foragers. That's where we got our medicines from. A lot of our medicines came from the original indigenous groups. Um, Wow, what else can I say? We have a library where kids come and get books. I keep little food packs out in the library for anybody walking by and needs a snack or some soup or a sandwich or something. It's outside the building. They don't have to say a thing. Um, we have we have clothing. We have all sorts of supplies that you should could possibly need. You know, we have donors that send clothes and food and diapers and everything you could possibly need because it is a it is a very poor area um people are struggling and so it's south dakota so it's hot in the summer and cold in the winter um I, what else can i tell you uh we're busy, we're busy yeah. people <laughs> i was just i was just gonna say that is um if you were if you were to uh, build a story around uh, somebody who starts a nonprofit and wanted to do good, and then you just listen to the past eight minutes of the things that you do uh, accomplish on a regular basis, everybody go, yep, that sounds exactly like somebody who needs to be ahead of a nonprofit organization is somebody who <laughs> sees a need, goes and does it, and just doesn't care how we get it done but we get it done. Is there a story that you have and I think a lot of nonprofits listening, sort of nodding and going, yep, that sounds exactly like me. But they also sort of require a little bit of mental self-care to go, this is why we continue to do the work, even though it's hard and difficult and long and underappreciated in the general community. Like we do it because of X, Y, and Z. Is there a story that you um, have that reminds you, even during the toughest times of your sort of nonprofit leadership, that you tell yourself, go, this is exactly why we do what we do. Here it is. Uh, being a, a grandma type, because now I'm grandma to a bunch of children, um, I think the most important part for me is the children and the changes that the children are making in their lives. 
um, when I hear little people come down to the to the center um, and say, Grandma, can I just, we have chickens. So, you know, we, we raise, we hatch the eggs and raise the chickens. Of course, chickens. Of course you yes. do. <laughs> well, yeah, the eggs are good. <laughs> and I can give people eggs, you know. <laughs> but the kid, but my thing is, if a kid isn't being nurtured the way they should be, they can't grow up and be nurturers. And so when I come to hear the children come down here and they're just being naughty, you know, they're just being kids. They're just being kids. But we talk and and they will then transfer that to their little friends that come down to the center and they say, "Uh uh-uh, there's rules here. You got to listen to grandma because grandma and I had a talk. Mm-hmm. Or when they'll come and get books and I tell them, don't bring the books back to the little library. It's a lending library, but I don't want them to bring the books back. I said, I want you with library books in your house. They will sneak them in and giggle mm-hmm. the whole time they're sneaking them into the little library. I never say anything because it's something that they need to do. But the other part of that, too, uh, I don't know if there's one story. You know, that's difficult for me because there's a day to day story here. You know, when I get a note pinned to the door or I get a something on my desk that says thank you for taking care of my family thank you for doing what you do that kind of stuff and and people do come now and say hey can we just talk I I need to know how to do things better and I think you can help me that enriches me you know that enriches my own personal soul um it gets tough sometimes. If you're out there in the nonprofit world, you know that. You know you have to take care of yourself. And most of us give verbalization to that. We forget to give realization to that. That's such a but, great point because I think that's exactly what I think a lot of nonprofit leaders need to start doing is you you need to live that as well. And I think that's such an important reminder when we're sort of hung up on our own, you know, trying to compare ourselves to other organizations and we're trying to, it doesn't help. And yet we do it. And so this is a wonderful reminder, Mary. I so appreciate you for that. Is there, and I, again, I, I can't imagine how many countless challenges there are, but what's a recent one that you've been able to overcome and how did you do it? I think the, the most recent one certainly has been the pandemic. Um, and I hate to use that because it's used for everything. But the reality is we have an art center for kids. We have a library for kids. We were doing reading club and art club. We couldn't do that during the pandemic. And that was very difficult. We had so we had sewing classes and we had cooking classes. We had to stop those. And out here, you can't sew by Zoom. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work. You need hands on. Um so it's it's been good that we can we can now sort of open some of that up. That was really why we started taking food out to people versus them coming in. We do drive by feedings at least once a month or every every couple of months. Uh, but now that we can open things up a little bit, um, we never stopped doing. We never stopped doing stuff. We sometimes just had to set it outside, you know, and say, "Hey, it's on the picnic right. table. Pick it up." Right. Um, but I think I think the food thing and the things for the elders, it felt so isolated. We would deliver food and they would cry and beg you to just stay and visit, even if it was over the fence, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a real issue, not just for the not just for the adults, but definitely for everybody, because we're starting to see a lot of I mean, if you live in a house with 20 people and now all of a sudden you're con, you're on on um, whatever it is, you have to stay home. Being in a house with 20 people 
just seems a little astronomical to me. You know, <laughs> I just right. don't think I could do it. Whereas at least, and that's not uncommon here. That's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not talking a big house. We're talking a normal size, small, small to medium sized house. Um, we just offered as much as we possibly could. Um, and I think the other need, the other thing for me is the food, the nutritional deficits is here. That's why the garden, that's why the gardening classes, that's why the cooking classes, that's why the nutritional studies. And we're planning in June to do a harvesting festival, a gathering festival, what we're really calling, because we're inviting anybody to come. We have, res- we have some place for people to stay. We're going to go out and traditionally harvest foods. And then we're going to come back. So you got it. You found it. Now, what are you going to do with it? So it's a whole weekend. We're going to do stuff with that. So I don't I know. Better, I, think, I, better, I better get an invite to this because it sounds pretty awesome. And I think uh, it's going to be pretty fun. awesome. Yeah, I think I <laughs> use my uh, my uh, my skills I learned over the pandemic in gardening. And I can come help out with that. I think that's a good one. And speaking of uh, sort of skills, um, while you have created this from whole cloth, mm-hmm. There's a lot of lessons that I think a lot of people who are listening who've also started a nonprofit would love to hear maybe a piece of advice that you have learned as a nonprofit leader or fundraiser or uh, sort of solicitor of donations. What's something that you can pass on to this next generation of nonprofit leaders that you've learned that you'd love to mention? Uh, Well, there's actually a couple of things. And one of the one of the biggest one is it's commitment. You better have a passion for it because you will burn out. It's just the way it is. Um, That's why it's important to take your breaks. But even then you just say, hey, I can't do this anymore. And then you go to bed because you're tired and you get up and you say, yeah, I can. Um, I think one of the most important things is network, network, network. Uh, Approach your friends first, you know, and then when I tell people that come out here, please like us, share us. Everybody has 100 friends. Everybody has a hundred acquaintances, maybe not friends, but it it really it really makes a difference. Um, and have a good program. Believe in what you do, and and get local people un- involved also. Um, personally, we started out with our own money. You know, we invested our own money. That was okay. You know, we were old, and who cares? And I told the kids, you're not going to have anything when we co- when we get old anyway, except maybe some junk to get rid of. But that's yours. And, and <laughs> it's true. My daughter said, yeah, mom, I knew that wasn't going to happen. So mm-hmm. um, you got to believe in what you do. You really, because it does get hard. And then the other thing that we do, we do shut down one day a week. We absolutely not. If there's an emergency, obviously you're going to take care of that, but your lack of planning is not an emergency for me. And I tell people that it's like plan ahead. Don't decide in the middle of the night, you need diapers for your baby. Your baby needed them at seven o'clock, you know? So there's a lot of lessons you have to teach people too, because um, poverty dictates a lot of things, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just what I do. I don't know. (laughs) I love it. Listen, if if you don't have a passion for what you do, don't do it. Uh, But more importantly, I think the lesson here is networking. Even if you are 200 miles away from a grocery store, you can still do it. Mary, I appreciate that as a reminder, because I think if people put themselves, if you're sitting in the middle of a large city, I don't know who I should talk to. You've got an advantage over every single rural and, and uh, nonprofit on God's green earth. So don't uh, use that as your limitating factor. Uh, how on earth do people get a hold of you and how do they donate? Because I'm guessing after listening to this, 
they're going to want to. Uh, how to get people get a hold of you and what do you need and how can people give it to you? Well, <clears throat> the one thing that we can, act, I, you know, cash is always important to, to yeah. buy what we, to buy what we absolutely have to have. Um, that's probably the premier thing. And I guarantee you, guarantee you, guarantee you that 100% of it goes back into the organization and goes to help people. Um, the one thing you can do is we are familiesworkingtogether.org. And then from there, go to our Facebook link that is on that web page. Because I, being busy, I can catch up Facebook really fast. Um, being non-technical, I can use Facebook. I get that's old people stuff, but that's what we are. Um, we're kind of in the process of trying to find a technical person that would like to take on this passion and do it. Um, I'd rather be doing than posting about doing it, to be honest. That's, that's who I am. I'd rather read a book. Read a book to a kid, then talk about reading a book to a kid. Um, but that's that's how you can get a hold of us. Our telephone number is 605-462-6888. So um, that's how you All get a hold way. of us. Well, <laughs> when you are done with this podcast, listening to it, suggest you go in the show notes where we will link all of these for easy access and you click on uh the websites and you click on their facebook page and you go like and share while you're liking and sharing go ahead and click on your itunes or spotify or youtube like this podcast give it a five-star rating we're talking to awesome people like mary we're talking about awesome organizations like families working together you don't get that kind of stuff anywhere else so go ahead and give us a like uh mary thank you so much for what you do this has been one of the more uh, fantastic uh, interviews that I've had the opportunity to to do. You're one of the more amazing human beings I've had the pleasure of meeting via the podcast. And I so appreciate that you are in an area that is so underserved from both the uh, nutritional food desert kind of uh, realm, but you embody everything that I think I love about the nonprofit world. Saw a gap, decided to do something about it. Uh, to hell with how I get there and do it. It's going to happen. And that sort of attitude is frankly just uh, pretty awesome. So do yourself a favor, everybody who's listening, go and like and share and follow what Mary's doing. Thank you for what you do. But most of all, thank you so much for being a guest on the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you. Look, as someone who listens to the show, you know that I love helping small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we bring on the awesome experts and guests that get to talk to you about how to make your organization more awesome. So I've got a deal for you. I would like to help you. I would like to work with you. So if you go to dogooduniversity.com, that's dogooduniversity.com, and you register for one of the courses, I'm going to send you my best-selling book, Fundraise Awesomer, a practical guide to staying sane while doing good for free because I really want you to do amazing work. Listen, dogooduniversity.com. Go pick out something, whether it's a board training or a gratitude training or whatever webinar you want to choose. Um, use the promo code podcast. Take 25% off of anything that you purchase. And I'm going to throw in a book as well because I want you to do awesome. I want you to do awesomer. And I want you to do good better. Go to dogooduniversity.com today.